Hi, this is Ashley, the host of Taboo and Murder. This is an episode that I've been writing in my head for months. With the Pope's recent comments, I just couldn't hold off. This is likely the first installment on institutional betrayal because it's happening everywhere we look, from Hollywood to our government. Fucking Virginia. Get your shit together, you commonwealth. Protecting the institution from harm to its reputation... And they do this by oppressing voices of individuals that threaten to expose elements or people within the institution. That's institutional betrayal and institutional protection in a nutshell. But because I own Wikipedia by donating $3, I'm going to give you some facts. Institutional betrayal is a concept described by psychologist Jennifer Freud, referring to wrongdoings perpetuated by an institution upon individuals dependent on that institution, including failure to prevent or respond supportively to wrongdoings by individuals. Examples given, sexual assault, committed within the context of the institution, end quote. It is an extension of betrayal trauma theory. In a landmark study, Carly P. Smith and Jennifer um, Freud in 2013 documented psychological harm caused by institutional betrayal. A legal analysis concludes that the study is reliable under Fry and the Dubart standards. When institutions such as universities cover up violations such as rape, sexual assault, and child sexual abuse, as in the Jerry Sandusky case, this institutional betrayal undermines survivors' recovery. Institutional betrayal can occur within families, governments, and the military, organizations, workplaces, religious institutions, or any organizational system in which people are dependent on systemic protection. Now here's something that should shock absolutely no one. Individuals who have experienced extensive trauma appear to be both less satisfied with police responses in the face of an intimate partner violence incident and more distrustful of police. Therefore, these individuals may experience feelings of institutional betrayal due to the perceived failure of the police to prevent further re-victimization. Every Black person listening to this is like, no fucking shit. Individuals who have been frequently re-traumatized are also the ones most likely to utilize health care and mental health services. Institutional betrayal in the medical system is currently being investigated in the Canadian healthcare system. It is hypothesized that institutional betrayal in the medical system will explain symptoms of PTSD, depression, and anxiety above and beyond the effects of gender tendencies to trust others or the patient satisfaction with the care received. So let's start with the obvious, the Me Too movement and what it exposed. The Bill O'Reilly, Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, Louis C.K.'s, all the pervs exposed after years as known predators. Open secrets, as they've been called many times over. All these men were protected by their power, their positions, and the disparity of power between men and women or men and men. I won't forget you, Kevin Spacey. In this industry, more than others, it's easy to see that money was and is the driving force to keep people quiet and keeping others in power. How many people worked for Harvey Weinstein? Half of Hollywood, it appears. If even a fraction of those people were heard, how many other people could have been spared as victims? But nope, the show must go on. Like everything in life, follow the money. 
It's only because Hollywood serves no real purpose other than entertainment that it's so easy to see that money is what allowed people to ignore their morals. But the same principles apply to every other institution that goes on to portray a victim abused within their system. So recently, the motherfucking Pope confirmed that priests and cardinals had repeatedly raped nuns. Some of the nuns became pregnant, and then they were forced to have abortions. The Catholic Church is one of the oldest institutions with one of the ugliest histories of abuse of members of the faith in particular. And I won't talk about how they told moms their babies died during childbirth and adopted them out for profit. I won't talk about the rampant sexual abuse of boys and girls for decades. I won't talk about the money paid out to victims to keep them quiet. Oh, and before I go any further, if you think that you'll be offended by a candid conversation about the worst parts of the Catholic Church, skip ahead a few minutes. That said, don't come at me. My rage runs so deep when I see people defend the church or seeing how they just move these fucking predators around so as not to have continued probes. The Catholic Church is institutional betrayal and protection on full display, protecting itself while thousands of children and adults have had their lives destroyed. And they all wrap themselves in the shroud of being godly. As an atheist, it makes me truly question how anyone could look at those actions, condone them with their silence, and continue to be part of that organization. If you're offended by this opinion, I don't care. It's an episode about institutional betrayal. I would be remiss if I didn't discuss the open secret of abuse within the Catholic Church and their endless lengths to cover up the abuse and protect abusers. This episode is all kinds of taboo. Sex, politics, religion, money, I'll cover it all because, unfortunately, all systems are susceptible to institutional betrayal and protection. I will go over a few and recommend further sources for understanding how this term actually applies to our real-world actions every day. Larry Nassar. There's a brilliant and moving podcast that covers the stories of the survivors that spoke out against Larry Nassar. It's called Believed. In short, both because he was a doctor and because he held a position of prestige, multiple people ignored girls and women and allowed him to go on to victimize over 150 girls. Institutional betrayal squared in this case. If you haven't listened to Believed, I uh, didn't spoil anything. Stop this shitty podcast and go listen to Believed. USA Gymnastics and Michigan State failed these girls and women to protect the institutions. Now USA Gymnastics has gone bankrupt after lawsuits. Okay, listen to Believe. It's fucking great. And I could just rant about Larry Nassar and the way that he used his prestige and position to manipulate not only the girls, but their parents when they spoke, when the girls spoke up. It's fucking horrific and despicable. I hope he rots in prison. Ugh, makes me so mad. Okay, a little lighter, still fucking terrible, but a little more distance. Institutional betrayal can affect families. The most famous case that comes to mind without having to do any research is Rosemary Kennedy. I'm so feisty. This podcast really brings out my rage. Or rather, I channel my rage into this podcast. So Rosemary was, get this, held inside her mother's birth canal for over two hours by a nurse as they waited for the doctor to arrive. 
Many speculate that this two hours of being held in a vagina deprived Rosemary, later nicknamed Rosemary, the essential oxygen to, you know, grow and live healthfully. She suffered brain damage during this time. So she grew up always in the background, literally and figuratively, until she was 23, at which time her family was like, oh, allegedly was like, this bitch is not a good look for us. Let's get her a lobotomy. And so they did. She was then a vegetable, essentially. So a fucked up family? Sure. But it's institutional betrayal because they maimed a family member to preserve the image of the family for political gain. Also, I don't want to give anything away because it's fucking crazy, but watched watch Abducted in Plain Sight. I'm going to say that could qualify here. It's on Netflix. I had to watch it twice because it was so fucking bonkers. I couldn't explain it to my husband. I just had to have him watch it too. It's so crazy. I should, oh God, I should do an episode on coercive control. Okay. Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. I don't even think I should elaborate on this obvious institutional betrayal. Instead, I'm going to highly recommend that you listen to Slow Burn. It's fantastic. I am a bleeding heart liberal, and I think that Bill Clinton was a sexual predator and Juanita Broderick. I am so fucking sorry. Okay. Now, a more modern take on sexual predation um, within our government. Christine Blasey Ford, we fucking lived it. Now, if you're a Republican and you have made it this far, bless your heart, as they say. But here's where I will lose you. The GOP decided that they should protect the institution by confirming Brett Kavanaugh. They also preserved the status quo. They signaled to America and the world that women don't need to be believed. Men don't need to be held accountable. And the sham of an investigation carried out with such stark parameters was all for show, okay? So the takeaway. Brett Kavanaugh just wrote a dissenting opinion on women's right to regulate her body. And Christine Blasey Ford? She's still in hiding. She hasn't been able to go back to work. But I did send her a card. So, you know, she has that. Institutional betrayal. Ask Christine Blasey Ford about some fucking institutional betrayal, huh? She's a hero. Donald Trump, the entire GOP, 53% of white women. I will never understand you. This institutional betrayal will take years for the historians to unpack and write up. A person could do a weekly series about institutional betrayal just on 45. Jerry Sandusky, repeat Larry Nassar's story here and you get it. I don't want to give a damn thing away, so I'm just going to say listen to Dr. Death if you haven't already. The institutional betrayal is quite obvious, and it's a thrilling podcast. The last episode was a little meh, but it's still worth it. The military, don't come at me. Listen, I'm going to cover two aspects of institutional betrayal, starting with the horrific rape and murder of Lavinia Johnson, which was ruled a fucking homicide or a fucking suicide. Let me go over the autopsy of this suicide in air quotes. Also, keep in mind the crime scene and Johnson's body were on a military base when she was found. Johnson's death was officially ruled a suicide by the Department of Defense. However, her father became suspicious when he saw her body in the funeral home and decided to investigate. The Army initially refused to release information, but did so under the Freedom of Information Act 
after Representative William Lacey Clay Jr. raised questions about it at the congressional hearings over Pat Tillman's death. Another example, but I can't go into the weeds on Pat Tillman right now. Back to Johnson. The autopsy report and photographs revealed Johnson had a broken nose, a black eye, loose teeth, burns from a coercive chemical on her genitals, and a gunshot wound that seemed inconsistent with suicide. Several reporters have suspected that the chemical burns were to destroy DNA evidence of a rape. What person commits suicide in such a manner? In such a manner, really? Seriously. A spokesman from the House Armed Services Committee said in June 2008 that the committee was looking into Johnson's death, but they were not yet committing to a formal investigation. Christopher Gray, chief of public affairs for the U.S. Criminal Investigative Command for the Army, has said that this case remains closed as far as they are concerned. Yeah, she committed suicide. She just poured that corrosive acid all over her pussy because she wanted it to be just, you know, horrific. She broke her nose. She made her teeth loose. She gave herself a black eye before shooting herself. That makes total fucking sense. That's what I would do. Following a February 2007 news report on Johnson's death, an online petition a petition addressed um, uh, to the White House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee um, was launched, closing with um, almost well, over 37,000 supporters. This was followed by the creation of an official Lavinia Johnson website dedicated to developments in promoting a new Army investigation of her death. The petition closed on May 24, 2008 with nearly 12,000 signatures. Preparations are being made for delivery to the two committees. That didn't happen. In July 2008, the online black activist group Color of Change launched another online petition calling on Henry Waxman, chair of the House Oversight Committee, to conduct um, a hearing into Lavina Johnson's death and the Army's handling of her case and others like it. A documentary film about Lavina Johnson's family struggle for justice was made in 2010, directed by Joan Broker and titled Lavina Johnson, The Silent Truth. And that is the end of Johnson's story. She will have, um, she will stand as um, having taken her own life illegally uh, on the autopsy. And her alleged murderer is potentially still serving in the military and our tax dollars are paying him fucking great now a living victim of the military's institutional betrayal from the army times by megan myers on october 22nd of 2018 i will pull quotes from this article as it focuses on breaking the stigma and taboo and encourages reporting how that plays in the real world only time will tell quote Sexual assault prevention training has long focused on male perpetrators and female victims, but knowing that research finds that more men than women are sexually assaulted while serving in the military, the Army is making a pivot toward tackling male-on-male sexual violence. Central to the effort will be a Male Survivor Tour, a program conceived of in 2016 that will finally get on the road next year, officials said. So sometime this year, we should be hearing more about this. They've designed this digital survivor of sexual assault training module, which immerses a student in a conversation with a real soldier. 
The story and answers um, are pre-recorded, but the technology is responsive enough that the program can search about 2,000 possible responses and provide the correct one based on the student's question. So using AI to get men to report. It's amazing that when men are recognized as the, as the targets of abuse, the lengths developing technology to allow the reporting to be truly anonymous, removing the single greatest deterrent for reporting, is done for fucking men. Good for you men. What about women? It is great and all, and I fully support it. I would be remiss if I didn't call out the fact that it's only when men are recognized as victims do systems change. And the military, a largely male institution, is naturally the place to start. Again, I wholeheartedly support this, but I am certainly going to highlight the fucking disparity of power and um, giving a shit when it comes to men and women as victims. Okay, is that enough? Or will I still get major hate tweets? Likely the latter. Don't care. For now, the soldier in um, that trainer is former, um, I think this is specialist. God, I don't know. I'm so bad. I'm sorry. Um, Jarrett Wright, who in 2012 went public with his story of rape and hazing while uh, deployed in Iraq with the 1st Cavalry Division. Quote, if you're trying to get someone who's a proud, masculine man to come forward, the way the information is presented needs to change, Wright told the Army Times in 2017. Yeah, toxic masculinity is going to throw some fucking roadblocks up, isn't it? Okay, so he's literally the poster dude for sexual assault and fucking good for him for coming forward. He's truly brave to weather the storm that he has. At the same time the Army announced the male survivor tour, they outlined a handful of other new initiatives under the Sexual Harassment and Assault Response and Prevention Program. It was put on the back burner during the change of administration, an Army spokesman told Army Times in 2017, but plans are once again in place to make it happen. Quote, in 2019, we plan to distribute additional portraits paired with male survivors and or subject matter experts who will dialogue with audiences about male victimization, the unique characteristics of male sexual violence, and how the Army supports survivors. Karen Reidenbach, acting director of the SHARP program office, told Army Times in a statement. The Army declined to make SHARP program officials available for interviews. An excerpt of the hazing of Wright. Quote, on the first day, they ripped me out of my room when I was on Skype with my family, held me face down, and then lashed me with about 23 times as part of a birthday ritual. And when I got up, the company commander was there. The first sergeant was there, coming to shake my hand. The whole company was out there, end quote. Then it escalated. It happened to his roommate first, so they started locking their door at night. But the one time they left it unbolted, a group busted in looking for Wright, holding him down on his bed, grabbing his genitals, and inserting a finger in his anus. At first, the guy said nothing, like more than 80% of male military sexual assault survivors, according to Defense Department statistics, and how many go unreported. But when it kept happening to others in the unit, the survivors stepped up. Three of the four soldiers involved were found guilty at court-martial, while the so-called ringleader went free after his charges were dismissed on a technicality. He ended up pleading guilty to lesser charges. So back to right. 
Quote, so I had to continue to see this guy and get harassed by this guy for months, Wright said. I knew he was staying in the army and I didn't want him to do this to someone else when he got promoted back to sergeant eventually. Quote, I would have rather went to a full trial than let him. I think he went to a jail cell for like an hour and then he was released, Wright said, quote, and was ending up in a squadron formation with us running the next day. So Wright had to run with his rapist the next day. How fucking sickening is that? And emblematic of institutional betrayal. Wright moved on um, and left active duty, serving with the Florida National Guard for several years before returning to civilian life to finish college. But his advocacy continues, um, he said, as a speaker at Sharp Events. Quote, sometimes I'll go to places and they'll be like, I don't even know why you do this. Why are you trying to change the army? You're the worst thing that ever happened, Wright said. Someone told me that I was single-handedly destroying the NCO corpse and things like that. But not because NCOs support sexual assault, he explained. Quote, hazing and discipline policies have changed. They view it as because you guys were complaining, you took away our power, our authority, not realizing that there are other methods of instilling discipline in people, he said. The people that have been the power hungry and have enjoyed being in that dominating position, I guess they're not too happy with me. Yeah, because you're a whistleblower. Oh, God, that sucks. But how fucking brave. So Wright reported the abuse. His abuser stayed in power. Wright had to work alongside his abuser while his abuser felt he held enough power still to taunt him. Others in the military, the institution in this case, is then direct, has de- then directed anger at Wright. This is one example of institutional betrayal in the military. As I said, I could have gone on and on, but it would have been a lengthy episode. And frankly, I'm uh, shooting from the hip on this episode. I will be doing further installments of institutional betrayal because there are literally hundreds. And I think that uh, sharing individual stories and the different facets that institutional betrayal can take will really start to um, shed understanding on just how nuanced this issue like so many others actually are. And we need to address those nuances so that all victims are heard, seen, and believed until an investigation proves that they should not be given the benefit of the doubt in terms of being believed. There is no benefit for somebody to make a false accusation. The person making the accusation puts their reputation on the line. Look at Christine Blasey Ford as a perfect example. We need to believe women. We need to believe men. We need to believe victims. And we need to have a far more nuanced conversation on what is assault, what isn't assault, and what simply is not ethical for us to um, carry into these institutions. Anyway, thank you for listening to this very loose shoot from the hip episode of Taboo and Murder. Um, I appreciate you listening. And if you could rate and review, I would greatly appreciate that. So thanks for listening. And oh, don't sue me. Bye. (laughs) 